if you have a Bible, ask you to open it up to Isaiah 61. But before we open God's word and read it, let's ask for the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us this morning. We open your word daily, and yet sometimes those words just slip off the pages and we let them fall to the ground. We pray that today you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts again and begin to see again that old, old story that will help us to grow, 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 and so that we can become fishers of men. Thank you for your word. May it strengthen us, give us hope, and give us peace. Amen. So Isaiah 51, or sorry, 61. It's under the heading, The Year of the Lord's Favor. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been de devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. So far, the reading of God's word. Dear family of Jesus, how would you tell the old, old story? We've come through the Christmas season. We've gone through Epiphany, and now we're in the season of Lent. We're marching again towards the cross. And all those events are very normal, very familiar to us. But what is their significance in the story, that old, old story? The season of Epiphany, right after Christmas, is about bringing light into the world, God's light coming back into this world. And he not only does that spiritually, but he also does that physically by making our days longer, and more light fills our physical world. And then now we're in the season of Lent where we're in a time of reflection, 
And maybe it feels just a little bit darker. But we're on this journey to this cross. But still, hopefully, we see brightness in front of us as we move into 2023. And Isaiah is a book that unveils the full dimensions of God's judgment and salvation. God is the Holy One of Israel who must punish his rebellious people, but will afterwards redeem them. Israel is one of those nations that's just blind and deaf, a vineyard that will be trampled, a people devoid of justice or righteousness. Yet God will have compassion on his people and will rescue them from both political and spiritual oppression. Their restoration is like a new exodus as God redeemed them and saved them. Israel's mighty creator will make streams spring up in the desert as he graciously leads them home. Peace and safety mark this new messianic age. It is through the suffering of the servant that salvation in its fullest sense is achieved. Christ delivered mankind from the prison of sin. He became a light for the Gentiles so that those nations that face judgment could find salvation. These Gentiles also became servants of the Lord. The Lord's kingdom on earth with its righteous ruler and his righteous subjects is the goal towards which the book of Isaiah steadily moves. The restored earth and the restored people will then conform to the divine ideal and will result in the praise and glory of the Holy One of Israel for what he has accomplished. And as we search for our own ways to tell the old, old story, we see Isaiah. And in Isaiah, we see that the people tend to walk away or find themselves in trouble being separate from God. Does that ring true for your own journey? But it's always God who comes back to them. Again, do you see that? Christ reaching back to you. No matter what space you find yourself in at this moment, during this season. And even so, Though we've come through the Christmas story again and many times since the original story of Christ coming down and laying in a manger, it's in that repetition of the story and hearing those words again that Christ came down to be with us, to dwell among us. And so even in the book of Isaiah, the prophet starts to foretell of that messianic happening of the Christ coming to be with his people. And even though we're still far removed from that moment, Along with Isaiah and the people of Israel, the prophet starts, we are moving towards that goal of seeing Jesus come. And so we even see that in the New Testament. Jesus looks over his shoulder and recalls the stories of the past. In fact, he comes back to the moment of this passage of Isaiah 61 when we read in Matthew 11, where Jesus talks to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison, sends out his apostles to talk to Jesus and ask him the question, 
Are you the one? Are you the one? And Jesus responds, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And so from Matthew 11, verse 5, again, we see that Jesus attending the synagogue as he regularly did in his ministry. Jesus was always about being in church and seeking that story. Is that what brings you here? I asked that right off the beginning this morning. Why did you get up? Why did you come? Is it because you want to draw in the old, old story and continue to learn? And as time went, and as time went on, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll, of the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. You sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, in doing so, recalls the old, old story. He now reads those very words that were written about him. And as we follow it in verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If I had a mic, I'd drop it right now. I'm going to just... One of those aha moments where we ask the people who regularly attend a church, it's me. I'm the living word. It's here now amongst you. What does that mean for you? The story of Isaiah and what he was telling his audience is about us coming and realizing that these moments on Sunday are not just one-off events during our week, but they're there to help us build momentum as we go out into the world around us, as we seek to minister. And as we heard today, this church has many wonderful programs and ministries. And they're so key, again, to helping us develop this practice of repetition, of teaching our young ones, teaching our old ones, so that we are always prepared to tell that old, old story and to help the world understand what the gospel message is all about and its saving message to us. So Jesus said, the scripture today is fulfilled in your hearing. Some of them must have been just stunned and wondering what he, did he exactly mean. Jesus, Jesus was letting us know he had come down to the world. Not just to be in the world, but he came for the world. And so his redemptive plan was being kicked up into high gear. And in John three sixteen. 
17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. In verse 5 of Isaiah 61 it reads, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Have any of you been anointed? Nobody's shaking their head yes, because we all have this image of what anointing is. How many of you were baptized? You are anointed. So now that we know that we're anointed, we belong in this body of Christ. Again, how do we tell the old, old story? And what does that mean for us as we tell it today? The word anointed actually means Messiah in the Hebrew. So I'm not saying you're all Messiahs now and you came to save the world in the way Jesus did. But because you are anointed, you have that power and authority of our Messiah. So when it talks about healing the poor, helping the sick, all of those things, we have the power to do that. And the interesting thing is in this Isaiah passage is we have a historical setting for Isaiah, right? The people are in disbursement. They're all over the place. King Cyrus is running about, herding up the Israelites and all of those things. And in Isaiah 45, 1, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of. So in our daily walk, we have to realize that Jesus, that our creator, has also anointed other people to do his work for him that we may not be recognizing because they don't ascribe to be Christian. The people of Israel ran across that through Cyrus, but also King Nebuchadnezzar, who was seen as a servant of the Almighty. Because God came to be for the world. And for God, that means he's going to use every part of his creation to further his kingdom. So to be anointed, it wasn't just an anointing for Jesus himself. It's anointing for all of us. And as I said, for you and I here today, our baptism is our anointing. If you feel like you need a new anointing, then maybe you should talk to your council, to your elders, and ask to be anointed for service to God again. And so, we're prepared, right? Are you prepared to tell the old, old story? Okay, straw poll, by show of hands, how many are ready to tell the old, old story? It doesn't take a theological degree to be ordained as a pastor. We are all called to be able to tell that story 
in a moment's notice. For that reason, we gather on Sundays so that we can continue to hear those stories and to build each other up. So that when we have those moments in life when you just find yourself alone with a neighbor who is an unbeliever, you are ready and equipped to tell that old, old story. Because you are anointed. And because we are anointed, you do not need to fear whether you will be given the words or have the words to speak. Because the gift we were promised from Jesus is the Holy Spirit. So you can take comfort in that, in those moments when you're just like, uh, the Spirit will give you the words. Because our goal is to bring that light to this world, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, and to bring the good news to the poor. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Edmonton Native Healing Center, through you as a ministry, was able to do that to some of the poorest people at Edmonton. During a pandemic, when the world said, no, we're shutting down, we can't have places open, we don't have places to gather, we were still able to provide them with a place where they could have a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. Even though we did a lot of mourning during that time, because as you know, as a church community, when there was a funeral, it just wasn't the same because we couldn't gather as the body of believers to grieve together. So it was difficult but we were finding ways to do that. And we all put on, and I hope we can today moving forward, put on a garment of praise. So there's days where, yes, we have had things horribly happen to us and we don't feel like being praiseworthy. But if it doesn't happen for you tomorrow morning, you wake up and you go, okay, God, I opened my eyes, you filled my lungs once again. What is my praiseworthy deed for today. How can I bring praise and honor to you? Because that's what we're called to do. To have that garment of praise instead of a spirit of, of, of despair. The world knows despair. We prayed for some of that in our congregational meeting, in prayer this morning. But the antidote for despair is Praise but praise that is firmly placed in Jesus. Then we become the balm of Gilead and we're able to help those around us in so many, many good ways. Part of the old, old story and practices that we have within our church is moments like the Lord's Supper, where again, we look at things like the cross, reflect on that. We eat that meal together. And we do that because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. His call for us to continually go back, tell the old, old story, know why he was here and why he came, so that we can have good effect in our world today.
So, are you able to tell the old, old story? Do you feel anointed? And as I said earlier, it doesn't matter if it feels like you don't have oil running down your beard. Again, God comes back to us. Comes back to us this morning and says, no, you matter to me. And for that reason, I'm placing you in Ebenezer Christian Reformed Church this morning because you're mine. You belong to me. And that's our anointing. That gives us the power and strength to move into the world today as Jesus did. Not just to be in the world, but to be for the world. In this book, which I have been reading, slowly, but I have been reading, It's entitled Hinge Moments. So those moments in life where you're just at that point of flexing, do I go this way? And we know that hinges sometimes, if they're not two-way hinges, you don't go the other way. It can only be opened one way. So Michael Lindsay has written this, and there's a quote in there that I think is important for us to understand in our daily walk. And this quote is by Judith E. Smith. For years I have looked ahead, searching for holy places down the road and trying to reach them as soon as possible. Now I believe instead that this ground is sacred. And wherever I stand, this moment is holy. So that quote challenges us to think of our place today the footsteps we take out into the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Do you feel like you're walking on holy ground? And if you were to feel like you were walking on holy ground, does that change your relationship with the people around you? How you see them, how you treat them, how you love them? My sermon was titled, To Wow. And so all of you up to this point are going, what the heck word is that, Greek, Hebrew? No, it's a Cree word. And that word has the meaning of this. There is room. There is room. When we see how Jesus came into the world, Right? Was there room for Jesus? Scripture says, well, there was no room for him at the end. But that didn't matter to our Heavenly Father or to Jesus as this small baby. Because he found room. From that humble beginning of being in this stall with all the animals, the sheep, goats, chickens. How many of you mothers would want your children to be experienced that, uh, you know, when you left the hospital two days after your birth? 
So from that humble beginning, Jesus came to before the world. He didn't come with loud trumpets, ta-da, here I am, the king of the world. He came in this lowly, humble state because he knew the journey that was ahead of him, even as this young baby already. And he says, I want to be in the world because I want to be for the world. And so some of the first people who get to see him are the shepherds after the animals got to see him. Again, on the scale of all our humanity, shepherds back in the day were seen as the lowest of the socioeconomic, the marginalized. But Jesus said, no, you get to see me first because I'm here for you. When Jesus calls his disciples, who does he call? The Pharisees and the Sadducees? He calls fishermen. Again, they might have been just above the shepherds. And with him, he entrusted his whole ministry. So my challenge to you today is if you see yourself as a shepherd or a fisherman, then good for you. Because God is going to use you. And if you're a CEO of a top five Fortune 500 company, good, because God is going to use you just as equally. If you're a youth and you're going to school and you're wondering, where's God going to use me? He will use you. He will find you. But in the meantime, in that gap, we need to continue learning so that we can, again, retell that old, old story. So one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. In that story, so many things happen that bring Jesus, and he shows his character, his love for the world, and being for the world in his interaction with that particular woman. What are some of the scriptures that come to mind for you? And so this morning, I actually want you to shout that out. What are some of the scriptures that help you tell the old, old story? Prodigal son. Prodigal son, yeah. David and Goliath. Esther. Jonah. Jonah. I'm not trying to embarrass you by not having you raise your hands. But we are in the house of God. You are amongst your people. You should be able to share how you would tell that old, old story. And if you can't and you find yourself struggling today, okay, that's fine. I get people are shy to speak out loud. But it should also drive home the reason for why we gather so that we can learn from one another. If I'm the only voice that you hear sharing the gospel, then it becomes a very one way of looking at things. There is a richness within this sanctuary that goes far beyond Harold's knowledge, and the world needs to hear that. Your church family needs to hear that. So we can minister better to one another, but also, again, as we leave these four walls and seek a, 
our place within the world. Jesus also found himself at a point where he had to wash his disciples' feet. Again, one of those stories that says, you know, a person of his stature as the teacher, as the rabbi, he was not really, you know, in a place or position that he should have had to wash the feet of his disciples. But Jesus said, no, I'm here for the world, so I will do that. So can we be that kind of example to the world around us? Putting ourselves in places where we help people when they need our help the most. The whole scripture is really about making room for our sovereign God's plan for his creation. Jesus is the blueprint for how we need to engage the world around us. And the Holy Spirit is the animator. He brings the old, old story to life through you and I. And the one tool that is a must for us to be Christ's ambassador is prayer. We heard today that this is a praying church, so good. Beginning that journey. Because that draws us in and we're able to feel see and experience the grace, mercy, and peace of God. And because of that, I want to read these words from Chris Tomlin's new song, Holy Forever. So we think about how we would tell the old, old stories and how we might respond. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who have gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, holy. All creation cries, holy. You are lifted high, holy, holy forever. If you've ever been forgiven and if you've been redeemed, sing the song forever to the Lamb. If you walk in freedom and if you bear his name, sing the song forever to the Lamb. We will sing the song forever and amen. And the angels cry, holy. All creation cries, holy. You are lifted high, holy, holy forever. Hear your people sing, holy, to the King of kings, holy, you will always be holy, holy forever. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name stands above them all, Jesus. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, holy. All creation cries, holy. You are lifted high, holy, holy forever, forever. Hear your people sing, we will sing, holy to the king of kings. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You will always be holy, holy forever. You will always be holy, holy forever. 
I hope on our journey of telling the old, old story, we have that kind of praise well up in us. And even in those moments when we find we struggle, we can gather in a moment of prayer and I ask you to pray with me today this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.